Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, welcome to Blue Ridge Church, y'all. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. For those of you here in person, those of you watching with us online, uh, we truly are just glad you're here. Like that video said, you don't have to worry about us doing anything weird or making you feel uncomfortable. Uh, We truly are just grateful that you've come to our church or watching and tuning in with us today. Uh, We are in this series right now that I I feel like has been very, very, very beneficial, beneficial to so many of us on relationships. We're calling it Relationship Playbook. And what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is talking about some of the most important things in a relationship that we can work on and work towards in order to make those relationships work. Now, just to, to kind of throw it out there, we're talking a lot about marriage and dating relationships, although there is going to be a lot for people who aren't in that stage of life yet. I know there's certain people all around, like you, you, maybe you're not married, but you want to be one day, or you're not married, or you were married and, and things kind of broke apart, or, or maybe right now you're just in a season of your life where you're focusing on other things and other relationships, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, but just try to understand, like, if, we, if, I, if I say something about marriage and that's not what fits for you, try to make that fit into whatever context you're in. Because no matter what it is, relationships are hard, right? Relationships can be very difficult because of the nature of two people in a relationship with one another, right? People are different. We're not the same as one another. And so it's important to learn how to relate to each other and how to, to deal with some of the the things that a lot of us deal with in marriage, like conflict and personality, is like we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Uh, this morning, though, we're going to hit on a really uh, interesting topic, and it's one of those topics that doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal until you realize what's going on underneath, and it's the topic of adaptability in our relationships. Now, when I say adaptability, really what I mean is our ability as individuals to change the way we live or to alter or modify the way we do things in our lives in order to meet the needs of the person we're in a relationship with, right? So if that's your husband or if that's your wife or some significant other, it's you being willing to maybe meet them in the middle or to give up something that you want in order to give them something they want. Or maybe it's, like I said, meeting them in the middle in a compromise and figuring out how to make this relationship work in the midst of all the differences that we have as people. Right now, the the problem with adaptability is it's a little harder to spot than other issues in relationships. Like think about last week when we talked about conflict. That's that's something that's very easy to see when other people are going through. Right, like you can visually see people angry. You can see them uh, that you you literally you stand out in the lobby between services. You can see when people come in. You can tell the couples that have just gone through an argument in the car before they came into church, right? You can tell which ones are in conflict. And typically it's like this. It's the woman is walking about 10 or 12 steps ahead of the husband and, and, and she's just angry. You can tell something's going on in her life and the husband's kind of back there looking like he just saw something he shouldn't have seen. And, and it's almost always because of something that happened right before church, right? It's like we're trying to get out the door or, or, or maybe something with the parking. You couldn't find the right spot or maybe you found the right spot, but your husband decided he wanted to park in the very back of the lot because he grew up believing you don't park to arrive, you park to leave, right? And so he had to get to the back, backed in his truck, and now you in 20 degree weather have to walk all the way across the giant parking lot, right? And so you can see anger. You can see conflict in people, Right? The problem with adaptability is we don't see it visually like we do other things. 
And that can make it a lot harder to deal with. It can make it a lot harder to spot when we're not adaptable and we're not flexible in relationships. And it can make it hard to actually diagnose and try to figure out how to to turn this thing around when you've come to realize that maybe you aren't very flexible or adaptable in relationships at all. But here's what, what I think we'll learn this morning, is the way God designed relationships to function is with adaptability. It is impossible to live our lives and and have relationships with other people, especially a relationship like marriage or some serious committed relationship. It's nearly impossible to to, to flourish and have a successful relationship if we are not willing to be adaptable to change. Now, there's a certain point we can get to. It doesn't mean we have to, to adapt to every single thing about that other person or do everything they want to do, but it's a mutual understanding when two people come together that we are going to be willing to change for one another and do things differently in our relationship than we did by ourselves in order to make this relationship work. Now, most people, myself included, probably believe that we're more adaptable than we really are. Like, we like to think we're very adaptable. We're flexible, sure, no problem. Uh, But here's how you can tell whether or not you're you're an adaptable person is when circumstances change change in your life, how do you react? Right? When things don't go how you want them to go, it can be very small things, it can be huge things, but when things don't go according to your plan or according to the schedule you have in your mind or the things you want to accomplish, how do you react? I think there's two different ways that people react. The first is that you've got the panicker, the person who just kind of loses their mind, right? Like everything's chaotic, maybe the plans don't work out or something happens where you know, it ruins something or they have, they have this dream or this goal or, or something they wanted to do today and it just got ruined. Right? And so it just, there's chaos, right? You can't make sense of it in your mind. You've, you feel like it's maybe ruined the day or ruined the week or ruined the month or, or ruined a portion and season of your life because of that thing not working out the way you want. Again, it could be small things, could be big things. Maybe you planned the perfect vacation for your family in the summer and, and you found this perfect house online and you rented it and then you showed up and it looked about 10 times smaller than it was in the photos. Right? And then you open up your phone, your, your weather app, and, and what does the weather say for that whole week? Rain, right? 80% chance rain every single day. And, and that can feel so defeating, right? Like, oh, it's ruined. Like, what are we going to do? It's ruined the vacation, ruined this time in our lives. Or, or maybe for you, it's something different. Maybe it's just like a daily commute to work. And, you know, you, you take the interstate to work on 81, and every single morning and every single time you come home, you say the same thing they got to change something about this road. Like this is, there's, this is crazy. There's traffic accidents all over the place. People driving in the left lane, going 10 under the speed limit, won't let you pass. Like, like in those kinds of things, like they work you up, right? These, there's someone in line who has a price check on an item in front of you. Like you lose it, right? It's done, right? We were very unadaptable to certain things. Compare that to the other type of person who is adaptable in almost every situation. You're typically married to this person, <laughs> right? Things can change and they don't phase this person at all, right? You could, you could have your plans explode and this person just goes with the flow. It's okay. It's fine. We'll figure a way through it. And it's not that these people who are adaptable enjoy when their plans don't work out. They've just come to terms with the reality that what can I do? Like, what am I going to do about it? I either have, I have two options. I can either adapt to it or I can not. And if I don't, then my life is going to probably be very difficult and very uh, s- stressful. And, and I'm going to have a lot of anxiety and, and have a lot of problems in my life. Right? So there's these two different types of people 
that we have. And when you mix those people together, it can make a very interesting combination of relationships. A really good test for our society was to see how we responded collectively when COVID happened, right? When there was lockdowns and there was a lot of uncertainty and we couldn't go out, right? You couldn't go to work, couldn't go to school, you couldn't go to the grocery store, you couldn't go to weddings, you couldn't plan things, you couldn't go on vacation. And, and so for some of us, we, we just kind of lost it, right? We, we, we went crazy. We didn't know what to do. We couldn't adjust to the changes that we needed to adjust to in the right way in order to succeed. And, and it's funny, we can poke fun at like all the crazy things people did, but the reality is, is what happened over those two years was such a cra- had such a crazy impact that I probably, it'll probably change our world forever, right? Here's what I discovered this week during the, the COVID pandemic, those two years. For, for the first year, 2020, we saw the highest annual increase in alcohol consumption we've ever seen in this country, just in that year alone. There was a 59% increase in antidepressant and anti, anti-anxiety drugs, medications from first-time users, which is huge. That's an astronomical number to have an increase of. And then we saw the highest suicide rate we've ever seen in humanity over a two-year period from 2020 to 2022. Or like that, that's, it's sad, right? It's the, the reality is it's sad, but it just goes to show how many of us have so much trouble adapting to change. How, how many of us have trouble figuring out how to live our lives and succeed in life in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of things changing all around us all the time? Right, because that's the reality of life, isn't it? I think some of us come to, the, to, come to life thinking that everything is going to work out the way we want it to work out. Your kids are going to eat their food at dinner time. Right? Your, your, your coworkers are going to respect your personal space. Your husband's going to remember to put your kid in a green shirt on Friday because it's St. Patrick's Day and everyone else is doing that. Right? It's just all going to work out. Everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to go according to my plan. But it doesn't. The reality of life is that it often never goes the way we want it to go. And so we've got to figure out how can we adapt to change? How can we, especially in relationships and in the relationships we have with the people we love most, how can we learn how to figure out how to live with these people, how to, how to thrive in a relationship with these people, and how to, to live in those relationships the way God intended for us to live. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And if you want to take notes, I encourage everyone to do that. You can do that through the Church Center app, or you can just follow along on the screen. Everything will be up here for you. But here's learning number one. If we want our relationships to succeed, adaptability is the only option. It's the only option. We truly have no other choice than to adapt to the change. It's almost like that saying, you either adapt or you die. Right? And in a relationship, that's exactly what happens. You either learn how to adapt to that other person or the relationship will likely end. Right? And some of you are walking testimonies of that. You've had relationships with other people. It doesn't even have to be romantic relationships. It could be your parents. It could be your kids. It could be your siblings. It could be a best friend. It could be a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever. If we can't adapt, we can't figure out how to be flexible in those relationships, there's a high and likely chance those relationships will end. But the model we have in scripture is that God created us to be able to adapt, right? It might not feel like we can. It might feel like it's impossible, especially for people who aren't very good at adapting. 
but it's possible to do, and that's the way God designed relationships to be. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Now, the context of this passage is about evangelism. Okay, so Paul is going from town to town to city to village, and he's preaching the gospel. Okay, he's teaching people about Jesus. He's sharing the message of Jesus, dying on the cross, raising from the dead, and, and how we, have a relation, we can have a relationship with God because of that. Okay, and so what he's realizing, though, is as he's going to these different places— a lot of people he's meeting are very different than he is. There's different places they live, right? So it's different color skin, different way they talk, different language they talk in, different way they dress, different way they live their lives. There's a lot of personal and cultural things about the places he was going to that he was unfamiliar with. And so he comes to this conclusion, I, I can either approach this in two different ways. I can go to these places and I can say, this is how I've done it my whole life. And so this is how I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to be different. I'm not going to change who I am in order to, to, to be with these people or to, to help them to be, to be favorable with them. Or I can adapt. And that's what Paul chose. He says, I've become all things to all people to win as many as I can. What, what is he saying here? He's saying that we have the ability in relationships to change who we are to an extent, right? We don't want to go all the way but change who we are in our lives in order to meet the needs of someone else. He even goes as far to say is adaptability is so powerful that it has the ability to soften even the hardest of hearts to the point where they could be turned away from God, but because of what Paul does and the way he approaches it with the message he has can be the reason why they come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Adaptability is such an important part of life. It's such an important part of relationships. The problem is, is we all have different preferences though, right? That's the big deal. That's, this is why adaptability is so hard is because every single one of us in this room, everyone watching online, we all have different preferences of what we like. And like I said in the beginning, you mix those two people in the same room together for the rest of their lives there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some stressors. There, there's going to be a lot of conflict, like Scott talked about last week. But we've got to figure out along that journey, how can we adapt to those people, right? How do we figure out how to live in this relationship with such big differences, right? There, everyone's different, right? Some people have a lot of different tastes in the, what they like to eat, of, of where they like to go. You know, maybe you're someone who, you know, you like the thermostat at 70 degrees and your wife likes it at 85, right? Like you like to be normal. She likes to be sweating, okay? Um, that's not what happens in our house, but, but we're different, right? We have different options that we prefer. We have different ways of doing things. Sometimes that's because that's what makes most sense to us. Other times that's because we've done it that way our whole lives, but we're all different from one another. My wife and I, we have almost nothing in common when it comes to our entertainment choices, Right, like for me, when we're watching shows or movies or when I get to choose, it's like thriller, mess with your mind, like crazy twists and turns. I love the story arcs. I love, you know, action and explosions and fighting and, you know, typical stuff probably for guys, but I love that kind of stuff. My wife, on the other hand, uh, complete opposite. She's more of like the wholesome television watcher, loves the family-friendly stuff, things like Bachelor in Paradise, Love is Blind, Love Island, you know, those types of reality shows, the good stuff. 
And so it's different for us, right? And so when it comes to wanting to spend time together, we've got to compromise, right? Like we can't just go into it saying, well, I want to watch this and I want to watch this. Well, I guess we're not spending time together tonight. Sometimes it's as simple as just, you know, trying something new out or giving something different a chance or trying to see something the way that your spouse or significant other sees it, even just for a time. A couple weeks ago, I convinced my wife to watch a bunch of murder mysteries with me Anyone been watching these on Netflix lately? Like the, the real, the true crime ones? Like we, we watched the Murda murderers one. Whew. Y'all seen that one? I mean, that is crazy. Like it's nuts. And we're watching that as the trial's going on and we're just like, rerun it, let's go. We got to figure out what's, what, how this ends. Like this is, this is nuts. And, and so after the, the, the episodes, I'm like, Lindsay, wasn't that great? Wasn't that really cool? And she's like, no. <laughs> No, that was terrible. I hate that kind of show. I, I, I had dreams and nightmares for a week that you were going to murder me in my sleep. <laughs> and I was like, what? This is crazy. Like, like what? And it's, it's the nature of those shows, right? It's like the husband's killing the wife or the girlfriend's killing the boyfriend. It's like all these crazy things that happen, but, but it's part of being adaptable and relating to one another and giving one another a chance and giving ourselves a chance to see life the way the other person sees it. Here's what Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says. It says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In other words, what he's saying here is, even though we do have a responsibility to plan out our lives, even though we have uh, the, the ability to, to plan out when we want things to happen and how we want things to go, and, and we, we have a trajectory in our lives, which is good. I'm not saying we shouldn't have those things. But we have to, at the end of the day, realize that in the end, the Lord is the one who establishes our steps. We can want so much. We can even go as far as to planning out a timeline in our minds of how we want things to happen, when we want them to happen. I want to, be, I want to graduate at this age. I want to meet someone at this age. I want to start my career by this point, buy a house at this point, you know, have kids by a certain point, retire by a certain age, travel to these certain places. We, we want to do these things but oftentimes things happen in life that prevent us from doing things on our own time. And in relationships, there's nothing more truer. There are going to be times where you will not get what you want and you will not do things your way, but you'll have to do it that way because you want to make the relationship work. There's going to require change in all of us. Whether you see it or not, and whether you like it or not, we've got to be willing to change, right? All of us have our own preferences. All of us have things we want. We're very different from one another, and that's okay. That's part of the beauty of life. It's part of the beauty of relationships that no two people are exactly the same. It's also what makes it so hard. It's also what makes it sometimes so personal when we do disagree with one another and we do have conflict in our relationships because it seems like they're attacking us because they want something different, even though that's probably not the case. But we've got to learn how to adapt. We've got to understand that, that it takes sacrifice to make a relationship work. I've got to be willing to give things up about my life, the way I do things, the way I've always done things, in order to make the relationship work. You know, when you read through the Bible on relationships, you, you kind of get the sense that, whether it's Paul or Solomon or even Jesus, that relationships are a risk, right? Especially marriage. Marriage is a huge risk to take. And it's a risk because you're banking on the fact 
that by getting married to some other person, that you will in exchange receive something greater in that relationship than you could have accomplished on your own, right? That there's certain things you're going to have to give up in order to have a relationship, right? You're going to lose the freedom you have to do whatever you want whenever you want to do it, right? You're going to lose the freedom to be able to spend your money exactly how you want to spend it and have no one question your choices. And the hope is, is by giving up certain things in our lives as individuals, we gain so much more by being sacrificial and by being willing to compromise and relate and adapt to whatever we need to in order to make that relationship work. But, but again, it takes sacrifice. It takes us dying to ourselves, giving up a part of who we are in order to achieve something greater. And that's the beauty of a relationship. Not that there's anything wrong with being single. I mean, you look at the Apostle Paul, he never got married and his life was very fulfilling. But there's certain things that you can only accomplish when you're willing to give up something in order to see that be accomplished or come to fruition, especially in terms of a relationship. And so what can we do about it? This is, this is what's interesting about the journey of Paul when you read through the book of Acts and you read through some of his epistles, is that Paul realized how important adaptability was in his own life. Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. He says, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full or empty stomach, with plenty or with little. Paul's saying that, that he had to learn adaptability. He had to learn how to adapt to all the changes that were going on in his life and in his ministry that he was doing. Like, like I said, he's going from town to town, to village to city, and he's preaching the gospel. And one of the things you'll read about is, is that he wasn't always received very well in cities. Sometimes he'd show up and, and they'd be so gracious to have him. They'd provide somewhere for him to sleep. They'd give him food. Some of those churches would give him money. They'd, they'd receive him well, the message well. They'd respond to the message and to the gospel with positivity. And, and they'd become Christians and, and things would go really good. But then you read about, other places he'd go to where it wasn't like that, where they hated him and they didn't want him there and they didn't provide anything for him. They gave him nowhere to sleep, nowhere to rest, nothing to eat. He had nothing other than the shirt that was on his back. There were cities he went into where he was immediately arrested and put in prison, places he went to where he was physically assaulted by crowds and left for dead. And when you read through the, the journey that Paul went on, you can sort of see that he he comes to realize something really important in his life. And, and it says in Philippians 4 that it, he said, calls it the secret of life. He says the secret is contentment. It's being content with God to the point where I need nothing other than God in order to find joy. Right? Because what was happening was he'd see this pattern, right? Like when he'd go to this place, a city, and everything was good and they were providing for him, it was easy to worship God it was easy to be grateful for God. Oh, thank you, God, for this, these provisions, this money, the, this, this is food. Thank you, God, for, for, for a place to, to preach in the synagogues. Thank you for all these relationships. God, you are so good. You're so grateful. And it was easy to find joy in those moments. But then when he'd go to the other places where they didn't receive him and they didn't want him there and he got nothing, he found it harder to worship God. It was harder to be grateful to God in the midst of, receiving nothing or what it felt like to receive nothing. 
And here's what he realized throughout his life, that, that if we base our happiness and our joy on something that's constantly changing, then we will never end up happy and full of joy in our relationships. Right? The world is constantly changing. Circumstances are constantly moving. Right? Targets are moving and changing. And in relationships, everything changes all the time. Things go so quick. Life can change at any moment. And if we base our joy and our fulfillment on the circumstances we're going through, there's a big chance that we will end up disappointed for the most of our lives, the majority of our lives. Right? Life will be a drag for us. Life will feel more like a burden than it is a blessing to us. And it's where Paul finally realizes that I can't put my trust, I can't put all of my, my, my fulfillment or my desire to be fulfilled, all the needs I have in my life, I can't put those on other people. I've got to put it in God. And that's the only way to make relationships work. And it's learning number two, in order to be adaptable in my relationships, I need to learn how to be content with God. It's where every single one of us has to start. I know there's some of you here who don't have a relationship with God, and, and, and I know you're on a journey somewhere different than, than others, and that's fine, that's cool. But for those of you who are, we've got to start at the person of Jesus, of learning how to be content with him, and realizing that as Christians, God has given us everything we need in order to be satisfied in life. Here's what he says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to know him, to us, to him by himself, by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. He's saying we've got everything we need. Everything we need to live a fulfilling and satisfying life, we have in the person of Jesus. Even if we have nothing else outside of God, we can find joy. We can be happy. We can be content with life. Doesn't mean that we can't have other things. Doesn't mean you can't have fun outside of your faith. It just means that if I were to get nothing else in my life other than Jesus, I would be okay. And that's where Paul got to in his relationship with God. Doesn't matter if I walk into this city, this place, and they hate me and they want to kill me, I can still praise you. Doesn't matter if they welcome me and give me everything I want, I'll still praise you. It doesn't depend on circumstances anymore. Now, you might be asking, how, in this, how, how does this have anything to do with relationships or my marriage? And here's how it does, is because oftentimes when we're not content with God and we don't start at a place when we're content with God, almost every single time we will end up putting the pressure and the responsibility on the people around us to satisfy us and fulfill us in ways that only God can. Right? When we're not in, in a, rooted in our relationship with God, when we don't get all of our needs met by God the way that he wants us to do it, oftentimes what we'll do is look for the people around us. Right? Your husband, your wife, right? your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, someone who you're close with, someone you're committed with, you will put the responsibility on that person to make you happy, for that person to make you, you satisfied, and for that person to fulfill and complete you in your life. And when you're not happy and when you're not satisfied in your relationship, whose fault is it? It's theirs, right? It, it, it makes it hard to take responsibility for the issues going on in our lives. And it's easy, especially in marriage, it's easy to look at all the things going wrong in your life and put all of that on the other person. 
But that's not how God wants us to live. That's not how God has created us to live in relationships. He wants us to be adaptable. He wants us to understand that, that our contentment comes in, or we need to be content in God and our needs are met by God and by God alone. Not that we can't have needs met in our relationships because we can, but there's definitely a line, right? There's a line that we can cross that gets to the point where we expect our husbands and wives or our significant others to to fulfill something and, and, and to do something in our lives that completes us in a way only God can do it. Here's a couple examples. Um, every one of us needs to be loved, right? Every single one of us, even if you're not a Christian, we all have a human desire and need to be loved, okay? But I can't love my wife like God can love my wife, right? The need of the, that my wife has to be loved, I, I have a responsibility in that, but ultimately, she needs to understand, right, that God loves her differently. And I have to do that too, right? Like, like our love, if you think about human love, it's conditional, right? Compared to God's love, that's unconditional. And I know what some of you are thinking, like, I love my wife unconditionally. I love my husband unconditionally. I love my kids unconditionally. Not really. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You love your husband or wife because they're your husband or wife. If they weren't your husband or wife, you wouldn't love them the way you did, right? There's a condition. There's a reason. That's okay. Same with your kids, right? I like to believe that I love my kids unconditionally, but I don't love other kids like I love my children, and you don't love my children like you love your own. And that's okay too. There's a condition on the love that you have for them. It doesn't make it any, uh, it doesn't make it less. It doesn't make it, you know, insignificant. It doesn't mean you don't love your kid. It just means that I can't love the way God loves. God's love is unconditional, God's love is matchless. God's love is way different than the way that we can love one another. God gave up his child, his only child, in order to give us a chance at eternity. Listen, I love some of y'all, but there's no one in this room I'm giving up my kid for. <laughs> Even the crazy one, okay? <laughs> right? God's love is different, right? There's so many different things about God's love compared to our love that we just simply can't have this expectation that my wife is going to love me the way that God can love me. Right? Another one is, is acceptance. Right? We all have a human need to be accepted. Okay? Even if you're like the manliest of men who doesn't care what other people think, you still need to be accepted. You still have a need for acceptance. But God's acceptance is way different than the way we can. Right? We can accept other people based on their past. God can do it based on their future. Right? Like we, one, I think what makes a relationship so good is when you can find someone who knows what you've done in your past, who knows the problems you have in your life, who knows that you're a little rough around the edges, like we all are, but still chooses to accept us for it anyways. That's, that's something that makes a relationship really, really good. But that's nothing in comparison to the way God can accept us. Think about it like this. Imagine you and your, your fiancé are sitting in premarital counseling session with me in my office, and we're having a good time talking about relationships. And at the end of the session, I pull you aside just by yourself. And I sit you down and I say, listen, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I can tell the future. <laughs> um, and just play with me for a minute. Just imagine I can tell the future. And I sit you down and I say, um, if you marry this person, if you marry him, he's probably going to cheat on, or he, he, I can see the future. He's, he's going to cheat on you probably 20 to 30 times over the next 10 years. He's going to be extremely unfaithful to you. He's going to steal from you. He's going to abandon you when you need him most. 
He's going to walk away from you in times where you're struggling and not listen to you when you have something to say. And for the majority of his life, he's going to live his life like you don't exist until he wants something from you. Then he's going to be your best friend. Now, if I were to say that to you, and, and if you were to play along and actually believe that, like, would you really get married to that person? Like, would you follow through with marrying them? No, right? Like, none of us would. That would be crazy for us to do that. But I want you to go read Psalm 139 and just listen to how David explains the love and acceptance of God being like nothing else, that he knows everything about who we are, everything we've done, every struggle we have, and even more, he knows what we're going to do, and he still accepts us anyways. He knows that we're going to abandon him. He knows that we are going to betray him. He knows that we're going to worship other gods outside of him. He knows we're going to cheat on him, right? He knows we're going to only come to him through a lot of times in our lives when we need him and and only then. He knows that there's going to be times where we pretend he doesn't exist, yet he still accepts us and loves us regardless. That is very different than the love and the acceptance I can show to my wife and fulfill in my wife's life. And that's very different than, than, her, than, than what she can do for me in my life. And so I can't put that pressure on her to be God for me. That's why I tell everyone I, I, I'm, that I do the weddings for is, is you've got to be very careful in your relationship not to put the pressure on each other to play God, right? They can't do it. They can't fulfill the expectations that you have for them that it would be the perfect person to show them unconditional love and accept everything about who they are. That's great and that's romantic and it's amazing to watch a movie and think that that's possible, but that is not how life works. We've got to understand that there's things that only God can provide for us. And when we understand that, then we can have the freedom of living in our relationships that we have with no burden of having to be God for that person. It opens up so much freedom and so many possibilities in that relationships to be fulfilled and satisfied, and it makes it possible through adapting to that other person. Now, when we start there and when we start with Jesus, it unlocks so much potential in relationships. Here's one of them. It's a really important one. Learning number three. Being adaptable helps us see what's most important in each other. When you're in a relationship and you commit to being adaptable and flexible and and understanding there's things you're going to give up in order to meet the needs of that relationship, one of the great benefits of that is it opens up a door to learn things about your husband or your wife or fiance or significant other, things about them that you've never known before, some of the most meaningful things about who they are. And this is kind of how it works. One of the things that I do whenever I marry a couple, especially more recently now, is I'll, I'll have them come up with a list. Right? And I'll tell them in their first session of premarital counseling, I'll say, I want you to go home tonight and I want you to write down a list of the things in your life that are non-negotiables. Like what are the hills that you're willing to die on in your life? The things that you're not going to change for anybody. Okay, and this isn't a trick. I let them know I'm not going to make them come up with this list and then come in for the next session and you know, make it a gotcha thing. Um, these are real. We all have non-negotiables, every single one of us, myself included. Uh, So a lot of things that I see on the lists are faith, right? If people's faith is very important to them, it's something that they're not willing to sacrifice for the other person, which basically means like, if you don't like that I'm a Christian, if you're not okay with that, right, of where I am in my faith, of how I see my relationship with God, then then I'm sorry, but I'm not going to change that for you, right? 
Uh, certain things I see in politics now where it's like, I, I believe these things about these areas and, and they're non-negotiables for me. I, I, if you have a problem with this, this is probably not going to work out. And so I give them this activity and I say, there's three rules. The first rule is you got to do it by yourself. You can't work on this together. You can't figure out your non-negotiables together. That's not how this works. Second rule is if you put it on your list, you've got to be able to explain to the other person why it's on your list, why it's a non-negotiable and then the third thing you've got to do is, is realize this and make a promise to the other person is that if it's not on the list, then it's something you're committing right now to compromise in and meet the other person in the middle to figure out how to make it work. Okay, and I'd say probably 99 out of 100 times, this is one of the things that opens up the other person's eyes to the most important things about the person they're about to marry. And here's what I'll tell them. If you exchange lists and that time comes and you're going having that conversation with one another and you're looking at the other person's non-negotiables and if there's something on their list that you're not okay with, then you're not ready to get married to that person. You're not ready to be in a committed relationship with that person. And it's not because we can't have differences and we can't disagree with the people we love. It's not that at all. But it's because if you go into a relationship knowing that there's things you don't like about that other person that they are unwilling to change, it's going to be a really long road for you and it's probably going to end differently than you want it to end, right? Sometimes when we are adaptable, what it does is it reveals about that other person what's most important to them. And it helps us to understand that's why they do it this way. That's why they believe this. This is why he's such a, a, a this, or that's why she always acts this way, or this is the first thing he says when we're in an argument. It, it, it reveals our hearts, right? It reveals some of the most important and meaningful things about who we are, and, and it gives each other, it gives us an opportunity to see and to experience those important things about one another. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Paul's saying here that the heart of a relationship is not about what that person can do for you or getting that person to do everything that you do or getting them to, to see the world how you see the world. A relationship doing it God's way is being considerate of the other person. Is first and foremost looking out for their interests over my own. Because when we do that, what it does is it makes it possible for us to thrive in the midst of an ever-changing world in an ever-changing culture. I'm running a little low on time, so we'll go right into this last learning and we'll close here. Learning number four, being adaptable reminds us to be open to changing our plans or ideas, even if they're not what we really want or believe is the best option. One of the hardest things to do in a relationship is to admit you're wrong. Right? Scott talked about this last week. What do we, we find ourselves in conflict with each other and what do we do? We know we're wrong. We know we've lost, but we keep going and going and going and going until we win. Until the other person, whoever gives in first, gives in, and we can say, oh, told you so. But that rarely, I've been married almost nine years, and April will be nine years. And I don't think there's been one time in my marriage where I've ever won, a rela- won an argument. <laughs> Right? I, I might have been right about something, but, there, but when it comes to marriage, like, there's no winners and losers. And it's the same with my wife too, right? You can win an argument. Sure, you can, you can you know, check that off in the box and win an argument, but, but what are you left with? 
Typically, one of you is bitter towards the other. Typically, the other one's upset. You, you can't even look at them in the eye without thinking they might smother you with a pillow when you sleep tonight, right? It just creates and drives a wedge of resentment between the both of you. If you keep riding your way and doing what you want and, and making it be like, it's my choice. I get to do what I want. If you're not along with this ride, then, then I'll see you later, right? When we approach marriage like that, it never works. That's not the way God has designed those relationships to work. Here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26 says. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it, right? And, and if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. In a relationship, a real relationship, there are no winners and losers. You don't win arguments. You don't get your way. You don't do those things and have that relationship work out to be successful. That drives contempt, that drives you to a place where you no longer respect the other person and you no longer want to compromise with the other person because they're so intent on getting it their way and no other way. One of the best things you can do in a relationship is take the L, right? Even if you're right, even if you know you're right, even if you know this is the best way to do something, sometimes the best things we can do in relationship is to, to meet that other person in the middle and say, all right, let's do it a different way. Let's do it your way. Let's, let's figure it out. Let's both work together towards a different solution to make it work. Let's, let's be willing to give up parts of who we are, die to ourselves in order to make the relationship work. And we do that because it's exactly what Jesus did for us. That's the model we have to go off of. 1 John 3.16 says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, or our husbands and wives. Jesus did something he didn't necessarily want to do by dying on the cross. I mean, read the end of the book of Matthew when Jesus is in the garden before he's arrested. And what is he, what is he praying to his father? Father, take this cup away from me. I don't want to die on a cross. I don't want to be tortured and crucified on a cross. I don't want to do this. But he did it anyways. Why? Because he knew in order to make the relationship between mankind and God work, he had to. He had no other option. He had to do it. And that's the model we have. There's going to be things in your relationship you don't necessarily want to do. You're going to want to do them your way. But we need to be adaptable and we need to be flexible in order to make those relationships work. Pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for the way you love us unconditionally, the way you're committed to us, the way you accept us in ways that we can't even fathom. Knowing that one day we might walk away from you or not want to be around you for a season of our life, yet you still love us and care for us anyways. God, help us to love each other. Help us to love the people that matter most to us. Help us to love our spouses, our significant others, our parents, our kids, our friends, the relationships we have. Help us to be more adaptable. Help us to be flexible and not be so set on getting our way every single time. Help us to understand that just because it's our idea doesn't mean it's the only idea. God, we want to be led by you. And we want to lead based on what you left us with in that model of Jesus where he gave up his life for us, something he didn't necessarily want to do, but he knew he had to do it. And because he did it, he made possible something that was possible in no other way. And that's a relationship we can have with you. And so God, help us in our relationships. Help us to take care of those the way you want us to. 
And God, help us to love you more each and every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, real quick, two announcements, and I'll get you out of here. The first one, this Thursday night, we've got a worship night at 7 o'clock. So on the 23rd on Thursday, we're going to meet in here and just worship. That's it. There's no other agenda. We're just going to sing songs, worship God, and, 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 and have a great time. So I want to invite you to bring a friend um, and come join us. Families are invited as well. Um, and then also the second thing is, is on your way out, you'll probably notice some Easter signs. You've, you're more than welcome to take those. Those are free of charge. We had a family at the church donate those for anyone who wanted those to put out in their yard or in your room or wherever you, you put signs like that. So feel free to take one of those. And I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much.